Welcome to Permaweb Pioneers. We feature individuals, companies, projects, and more building on the Permaweb, a global, decentralized, and community-owned web built on top of Arweave. The hosts of this podcast and their guests are not registered investment advisors. All opinions of the hosts and the guests are their own. Nothing discussed on this podcast can be relied upon for investment decisions, nor is it investment advice. This podcast is solely for entertainment and informational purposes. On this episode of Permaweb Pioneers, I'm speaking with Chris Celine of DarkBlock. And DarkBlock is a decentralized protocol that enables digital creators to upgrade their NFTs with special content only accessible by the NFT owner. Um, Chris, thank you so much for being here and excited to learn more about Dark, Dark Block. Appreciate it. So, you know, there's, I think, a few ways that Dark Block can be explained or articulated. Um, you know, it, Dark Block enables creators more control over their content uh, to enable new business models by leveraging the power of NFTs. And, you know, this is like opening up potentially a, a whole new arena of what we consider NFTs. Can you share maybe how you explain dark block from the high level? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, yeah, uh, you, you did a good intro, but let me kind of rehash it a little bit. Uh, so dark block is a decentralized protocol for content access control, trying to give creators more control over how their content is distributed and ultimately monetized as well. And, you know, the way that works today is as uh, an NFT creator, I can lock up a piece of content uh, that's associated with an NFT such that the NFT owner is the only one who has access. In the future, we want to make it more flexible so that uh, NFT creators can determine uh, interesting business models and dis distribution around that content. So they could do subscriptions based off NFTs. They could do pay-per-view content based off NFTs, short-term rental, even enable uh, the owners of NFTs uh, to monetize those NFT NFTs through rental and things like that. Um, really kind of act as a building block to kind of enable kind of a Web3 Web creator economy uh, based off of that NFT content. Got it. Thanks for kind of rehashing some of those points. You know, given that you're so involved with this and at the, the center of it, if you will, um, it's nice to hear directly from a founder like yourself and how you explain it, how you articulate it. Um, because, of course, I've read and, and done my research. It's nice to hear it straight from you. Now, on that topic, which is you as an individual, um, I'm curious to learn a little bit more about yourself and your background. You know, one thing that stood out to me dating back to, I think, March of 2021, which is when you participated in the Open Web Foundry, um, is the speed and or cadence at which you're able to develop a team and also get a lot of the visuals uh, really tuned up for your, your presentation back in March of 2021. Can you share a little bit about yourself and your background and, and where you're coming from? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I'm an old guy, as you can see by my my gray beard. Um, this is my fourth startup, um, but first in in the Web three crypto space. So previous startups were uh, very data oriented. Uh, search engines were my primary expertise. 
So um, had a general web search engine that competed with Google and then did another one that competed with Google. It's kind of stubborn like that. Um, uh, then had a Twitter picture search engine that uh, was popular for a while, had over 400 million visits in its life, but never really found a way to monetize it. Um, did some analytics, did some uh, kind of enterprise uh, data, things like that. Um, so I was very, very data oriented, but startups like, uh, you know, several of those startups were consumer oriented, but on the data side. Uh, but the way this kind of started was uh, last February, basically a little bit less than a year ago, my cousin calls me up and he's like, this NFT thing is blowing up, but it's not figured out yet. So go figure something out. My cousin runs a an agency, a creative agency out of Boston and very talented people there. Um, but he was doing a number of NFT projects and really kind of skeptical about it for a while, but doing a lot of creative for NFT projects, including um, uh, Bitcoin Origins was one that is fairly well known. Um, and he saw all the money kind of flowing around. He's like, this is there's a lot of weird stuff going on here, but I think there's a lot of potential. So he calls me up. He's like, you got to get into this. And so I looked at what was going on. Um, you know, I, I had invested in some crypto, but not, you know, wasn't really analyzing uh, all, all the kind of the Web3 activity, which is amazing. And uh, kind of opened my eyes to what was going on. Uh, realized that NFTs were the future. Like, I, I believe that NFTs will be representing everything that goes on, like every piece of content and much more in the future. Uh, but as I was talking with friends of mine who are also similarly old like me, they're like, what do I actually get for an NFT? And I was just like, oh, we're just old. You know, you get, uh, you know, it's an entry in the blockchain that represents ownership. And, you know, it's it's you get to own things that are digital for the first time. Uh, well, for the first time and actually getting like mainstream acceptance in a way. So um, but like still they're like, I don't know what I like. What do I even get? So I was looking at it. Uh, a little deeper and i saw that beeple was releasing these physical tokens along with his first drops so these pretty cool little displays that showed like uh, basically a physical representation of the nft and i'm like is that really the best way to do this like giving something physical along with native digital assets like i think we can do this in a way that gives the owner something special uh, but still maintains, you know, that digital representation. Don't want to try to force it into something physical, in my opinion. So had the idea for Dark Block, which was originally kind of hardware focused, trying to kind of keep things um, very, very secure by having them uh, be on uh, something that is kind of be uh, cross between a hardware wallet and a streaming stick. Then you put it in the back of your TV and that's where you display like your high high res art. And my cousin's like, let's do it. So we started uh, in, in on the uh, Open Foundry um, uh, hackathon there. Uh, met a couple co-founders. Uh, my cousin was a partner. He helped us brand everything and helped us with direction as we started talking to people in the industry, investors and other, other kind of people in the NFT space. We realized that decentralized protocol made much more sense than this piece of hardware. Uh, would have much more appeal to mass audience, but also be much easier to distribute. And also just makes much more sense, like given all the other protocols that are being developed, we felt that there was a, a place for a decentralized kind of unlockable protocol. 
Uh, we've met a lot of uh, people and got a lot of thumbs up about it. So, you know, we've been going hard ever since. So there's a, there's a lot there, and I want to touch on a, a few points, uh, one of which is your connection with your cousin, right? And is that Black Math? Is that the the company that you're, you've been collaborating with from the start? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, they are responsible for all our branding, a lot of our, our strategy work. Uh, you need to do strategy sessions with them every week. And um, yeah, that's Black Math. Yeah, I had the opportunity to to explore more of their work, and it and it really is impressive. And and that's one thing that I made note of in your presentation is the polish of that presentation from a very early on, um, kind of moment in your in your history. Uh, can you share a little bit on on that in particular? Because sometimes I see some projects, and they're they're really amazing technically. And it becomes very difficult to convey the message because sometimes the visuals are almost, I don't know if off-putting is appropriate word. They're not really resonating with the actual profoundness of the concept and the potential. Um, why did you go out and seek out your cousin? Was this just a natural fit or what do you, how do you think about branding? Why, why, why does it seem to, to matter so much to you from an early stand, standpoint? So... I wouldn't say that it matters that much to me, but I think it gives us a bit of a leg up. You know, I'm a builder myself. Uh, I wrote the first version of the protocol uh, myself. Uh, and so I, I program, uh, I do the tech side. Uh, my cousin's like, I can make this look amazing. Uh, I can make it look legit before it is legit. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. Uh, we've, we definitely differentiated ourselves from a lot of the other players in the space by by that polish, but you know that polish is just one aspect of it. Um, it wasn't really kind of intentional by me. It's just that my cousin, uh, he's been plugged into the NFT space. Uh, he serves as you know uh, our, our chief creative officer and uh, offers a lot of value on the strategy side, uh, has made a lot of connections in the NFT space. So that is what was valuable, but his, his ability to create the branding uh, is you know, top notch. So it, it, we just had that from day one. It was just part of the package that came with my cousin. So you know, it's not something that I necessarily would have tried to do if I was running this myself. It, it's just, we had the skills and you know, we were able to do it. Makes sense. And uh, appreciate you going to a little bit more detail on that, because I do think that for those listeners out there that are thinking about possibly joining the Open Web Foundry or building on Arweave or maybe starting their first entity, um, it's nice to touch on these topics because sometimes they really can kind of make or break a project. Um, so, you know, others can understand what the heck's going on by use and utilization and, and projection of imagery, you know, just to, to understand a new concept, it can help a lot. And, and even even just to, to explore a little bit further on this note is, yeah, I mean, the imagery, the, the components of the site, the way in which you're displaying what a dark block is and what it represents, where it's like an almost transparent block around, you know, a, a sphere and within it, it, it enables some connections to be made just by looking at it. And uh, I think that's something that's really important when we're talking about fresh ideas, um, new concepts that aren't really yet mainstream. 
Um, and on that note, I'm, I'm curious to talk about where NFTs are and where you see them going. Now, one of the things in which is shared on your site is like give superpowers to your NFTs, right? And then the other thing is that, you know, Dark Block can protect mul multiple types of uh, formats, formats of, of content, images, videos, music, PDFs, 3D assets, and so on. Um, where are NFTs today and where do you see them going uh, from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, I, I think most people in this uh, industry believe that we're just at the beginning of NFTs, and I absolutely wholeheartedly believe that. You know, I, I think I said before that uh, I believe that every piece of digital content in the future uh, will be an NFT at some point or some some variant of an NFT based on the blockchain. Um, and, you know, with that, uh, you know, a lot of this content will need some sort of access control. So uh, with every single piece of content out there being an NFT, uh, a lot of that will need some sort of access control. And so that's why we think Dark Block has a big future. But as far as NFTs generally, you know, uh, we're seeing them uh, work their way into games, which makes absolute sense for you to be able to own in-game assets and not just like rent them from the platform. Uh, we think that will become much more decentralized. Assets will become portable from game to game. I think all that kind of stuff is inevitable and makes it much more fun to play if you can kind of bring it into the place where, uh, you know, you would like to you know, use that asset. Uh, metaverses as well, same thing. Um, you know, you see uh, uh, Facebook slash Meta getting into the game, and you know they're going to be supporting every major NFT standard. And it still kind of remains to be seen exactly how well they remain kind of true to decentralization. But uh, I think even they realize that they have to work well with uh, the NFT ecosystems, or else. Uh, they won't survive. People will be demanding this. The creators will create content that they control versus creating for platforms that are controlled by other people. And so where all the good content is being created is where kind of uh, things will flow. And that I think that's the NFTs give those creators the control that they, they want and then they need to make interesting business models and, and kind of continue making the content that they like to create. Yeah, and I'm I'm kind of interested in checking back in on Dark Block as a concept because I do think it does require a little bit of repetition to to understand the mission of of Dark Block and what it represents and what it can be. Um, now, one of the things that Dark Block enables is a preview, and then a full like high resolution view. Um, can you speak to that a little bit and why you think that is an important? component to dark block and the experience of nfts yeah so yeah we phrase that in a couple different ways yeah we, we you know when it comes to art you, you could think of it as like a thumbnail version and then a high-res version when it comes to music you could say oh, oh there's the album cover and then there's the music inside and that would be in the dark block or uh you know a book you know book has a cover a picture or you know some words something that represents uh the book and then the book itself would be uh, on the inside in the dark block. So, you know, there are certain types of content that don't make sense to just publish freely for everybody to see if the creator wants to monetize that actual content. So, 
for example, books. Uh, if you just locked an, uh, a book in an NFT, and anybody could go download that book for free and read it, and you're going to have very few buyers of the actual NFTs. So we think that the NFT kind of serves as the preview, the book cover, but then the book itself could be what is protected and then monetized uh, by the creator based on the way they see fit. So the important layer to these NFTs, of course, is where they're stored. And this podcast, of course, is focused on the Permweb and Arweave. Uh, how did you come across Arweave and the Blockweave and, and all of this technology that Arweave um, and the Permweb and so on provides? Yeah, so I, I was actually introduced to Arweave probably about five or six months before I started uh, uh, Dark Block. Uh, so an investor, early investor in Arweave uh, sent it to me. Uh, somebody I had known uh, previously just kind of interacted with on, on a couple different startups. Um, he he sent Arweave to me and I looked at it and on the surface, like all I saw was like a list of dApps and a lot of very kind of nascent things, not, not very interesting to me. I was like, what is this? Uh, like, I don't get it. Um, when I had the idea for Dark Block, the, the same, I talked to the same guy and he's like, you got to look at Arweave again. You have to, you should do the Open Foundry, uh, Open Web Foundry. And I looked at it again and uh, he introduced me to uh, Sam Williams and I was able to, to chat with him and kind of blew my mind what they're doing uh, with like profit sharing tokens. Just that concept is incredibly powerful. I know it's still early when it comes to are we executing on that, but that, that incredibly powerful concept to be able to kind of wrap the monetization up in some sort of smart contract that is guaranteed to pay out. Uh, that that's amazing to me. Um, I saw what they were doing with permanence, uh, web permanence, and it just makes so much sense for NFTs to be permanent versus sorted in IPFS where maybe they go away at some point. So we thought it was a natural fit uh, for dark block. Um, you know, I, then again, it was like, it was like two weeks between the time I had the idea and the time I quit my job and decided to do this open web foundry, but it, it all just kind of came together uh, and worked out perfectly. And we're just big believers in what ROE is doing and it just fits so well with NFTs. Can you share a moment or it seems like there was a series of events of reaching this kind of are we've aha. Was it that conversation with Sam? Was it reading, you know, maybe the yellow paper or watching some talk or what, what was it for you that really enabled that are we've aha, if you will? So, yeah, it was uh, initial call uh, with the investor that I mentioned, who is also an investor in, in dark block as well. Um, he told me about, profit sharing tokens and then he told me to talk to sam and i talked to sam and just blew my mind uh sam was is is awesome the way he uh, engages with founders early on in the process it's uh, very important especially kind of in this space where you know you need a lot of things to be built they're really engaging with people to build all the pieces uh you know to the are we puzzle to make it um you know add even more value to the ecosystem uh, yeah, it was those couple of conversations that really kind of opened my eyes. Um, and yeah, I, I was a big believer and still I'm a big believer. And yeah, so that's why we decided to kind of build on our weave. It, it just made, makes a lot of sense for what we're doing. 
So one of the things that Darkblock uh, intends to do, and I'm curious at what state it at, is at currently, is a Darkblock DAO. Now, is this going to be, or is it already in the form of a profit-sharing community with those PSTs, those profit-sharing tokens? How, how, what does the architecture look like for the Dark, or Darkblock DAO, and, and where is it at today? Yeah, I mean, it, honestly, uh, we haven't really begun on that that front. So one thing we would like to do is control software releases with a DAO. And that's something that I think that our weave can help with. Um, and, you know, there, there's, there's efforts and I, I'm blanking on the name of the project, but the, the project that is, is basically creating uh, get on, on top of our weave. Uh, I'm sure you know it. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm actually uh, not recalling the name either myself. Um, anyway, I get, yeah. I get what you're getting at. Yeah. It exists. Yeah. It's out there. We'll have to edit that back in later, but uh, um. Yeah, so you know, I, I'm thinking like a DAO controls software releases and even can trigger the actual release. Um, would be really interesting way to go about doing things. You have people vote on whether a software the, the software should be released to nodes, for example. Um, they vote, it gets built and actually deployed. Uh, that's kind of a future I see. Um, also, like on the other side, uh, you know, the widget that we're developing. Uh, one goal is for us to fully de decentralize that widget. So the widget is a player that can be embedded into any web page. And it's just JavaScript that interacts with uh, our protocol as well as Arweave. And we want to control releases of that as well with the DAO where people can vote on the release. And then the actual um, kind of uh, versioning can be done in an Arweave smart contract. So that's a goal for us as well. Um, we're still very early on, on that front, though. Yeah, it makes sense. And frankly, it's kind of nice to hear that that's the state of it, because I do feel just from my personal opinion that sometimes um, maybe some projects go too fast, too soon on the DAO side. And it's not really a DAO. Uh, that's you know, defined by a decentralized autonomous organization. Um, and, uh, so in, in some, in some regards, I think it's really nice, uh, that dark block and, and, you know, you and your team are giving yourselves some time. It feels like to, to sort out what the needs are and, and, and how that looks like to, yeah, focus on longevity of, of it all to, uh, operate as, as needed and as desired. Um, you mentioned the dark block web delivery widget. And there's also the dark block viewer. Are these two different things or are they the same? What's the, what, what's the state of those and, and how do they uh, operate? Yeah, so they, they are the same thing. It's just a branding difference. We, we used to call it uh, web delivery at some point, And then we changed the name to the dark block viewer. It's just easy, easier for people to digest than the widget, the delivery widget. People weren't really understanding what that meant, but. You know, it's it it's really just a way for you to embed like the ability to consume a dark block into any web page, um, and you know I called it a widget because I'm kind of old school. Widgets were kind of big for a while, you know, like whatever, 12 years ago or something like that. And uh, so, and but then since then I've been talking to people. Oh, it's a widget. And they're like, what's a widget? Like, uh, you don't know what a widget is? Oh, okay, I guess I'm old, but. 
Um, so yeah, the, the goal of that is is to make it very very simple for people to embed dark blocks that also can support a wide variety of, of uh, file types. And you know we support um, music, movies, images, uh, PDFs today, and we we're adding support for EPUB. We want to do 3D content as well. But when you you know have all these marketplaces that are kind of trying to work in different uh, uh, file types, they don't want to take the time to implement all these various file types. It's actually a gigantic pain in the butt. So. We're trying to do all that work for them, wrap it up in a package that can just drop in their web page and, and instantly you know, have the ability to expose this content. So that's our goal. Um, try to make that that super easy, but you know, we, we want to make that fully decentralized via Arweave as well. And also for the listeners, this dark block viewer, it as I understand it, basically enables a dark block to be embedded into a site just like a YouTube embed or something like that. So really straightforward, simple HTML tag, pop it in, and then you have all of the features of, of dark block in, in any given uh, site, um, which makes uh, a lot of sense as far as increasing usability and, and access points for uh, supporting dark block and, and all the features that uh, it enables for artists to get things out there, I think, which is so important as a distribution component, which is really, really important. And I think an area that maybe is often like overlooked as far as, okay, well, how can we get this distributed? How can we get decentralized distribution as well? And these types of embeds um, may be able to unlock uh, a lot of that um, by, by way of design and, and, and particularly these embeds that many individuals are very familiar with. I know you use the word widget and, oh, maybe some are not so familiar with what that means today. Um, many are very familiar with embeds and that's just a nice tool and resource for this distribution. Um, on the topic of distribution, um, one thing that you have in your docs is this personal rights management definition or PERM. Now, many individuals, many listeners have heard of DRM, and if you haven't, it's digital rights management. And the question becomes, how can this be improved? So you all at DarkBlock have come up with personal rights management or PERM, uh, can you share a little bit uh, about your vision and what that's all about? Yeah, that really came about because, you know, as we were describing dark block uh, to people, they're like, oh, that's DRM. We're like, don't say that word. It's a bad word. It's uh, it has such negative connotations um, among tech people. Uh, you know, most consumers don't really think about it, but it's it's really about platform control DRM. It's it's you know the it's what Netflix it's what Spotify it's what iTunes all use to make sure you can't kind of make the content fully portable to where you want it to be, and you know we're trying to kind of give it a a positive spin because we do think that control is a good thing as long as it's the right people that have that control and we think that creators should have the ability to control the content they're creating. It shouldn't be just they create it and then anybody can do whatever they want with it. They should have the ability to, yes, choose that if they want to, but they should also have the ability to kind of control it as well and, and, and be able to earn a living off of that content they create. And uh, this allows them kind of more flexibility in doing so. So, you know, trying to take that, that negative kind of DRM connotation uh, put a positive spin on it where 
it's all about the creators. Um, and then also, you know, the other part of it is since this is all blockchain based, it's all kind of transparent. It's, you know, the rules of engagement cannot be changed once they are engaged. So that's a very important part of what we're doing is making sure that the, on the consumer side, they know what they're getting and then they can get it for forever, basically. So, you know, that's a big part of why we chose our weave is, you know, that NFT uh, should be available forever. That dark block should also be available forever. The rules should not be uh, able to be changed by anybody. So once that that ownership has been transferred, um, you know exactly what you're getting and and the rules around it. And because we're we're speaking on the topic of the permaweb, one of the layers here is encryption. And because it is the permaweb, uh, the implications of a strong encryption may be a little bit different than what we're accustomed to historically on the on the web, where so many things disappear. Can you speak to how you're looking at encryption on the permaweb and how that is currently integrated with DarkBlock? Yeah, so there are a lot of different things we could talk about when it comes to this encryption, but um, you know, we could talk about the long-term viability of encryption algorithms. We could talk about whether or not this opens it up for kind of nefarious activity of exchange of illegal content uh, even more easily. Um, any particular thing you want to dig into? Uh, just in general, uh, any kind of overarching view or things that are on your on your mind regarding the encryption of these assets and uh, maybe what you think is an opportune way to do it with the knowledge and tools that we have today um, as as a as a topic at hand. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know. It, the traditional way content is encrypted on our weave is based off of a user's wallet. So that doesn't really work well for us because it means that basically as a creator, you encrypt content, you place it in our weave and really you're the only person who can decrypt it. So what we realized is that we need some kind of uh, proxy layer that can do the decryption of the content, the verification of ownership or verification of access and be able to kind of uh, uh, well, act as a proxy layer and, and retrieve content from our weave, decrypt it, uh, re-encrypt it for delivery to the right people. So, um, you know, this, this kind of technology doesn't work unless we add our own layer to what our weave has done and um, it's, it's something that's, it's not an easy problem because, you know, we're, we're building a decentralized protocol. We want anybody to be able to run those nodes that kind of decryption, uh, of content needs to happen in a, um, secure environment. So, uh, this is something that, you know, is still, you know, under construction when it comes to the dark block protocol. Um, you know, we're, we're in a journey to decentralization. We are not fully decentralized today. But that journey is about making sure that that can be done in a secure way. And so, um, you know, that, that's that's not an easy thing. And so it's taking time. Again, I appreciate the transparency and the candid, candid response in regards to where you're at and what things need to be sorted um, for the, you know, fully decentralized experience top to bottom. Um, and uh, it sounds like that is in progress and thinking through the details on, on what that entails. 
uh, in particular. Now, another topic of, I don't know if distribution's the correct word, connectins, bridges, is Dart Block as a multi-chain experience. Now, you work with Ethereum and Solana, possibly Tezos is coming, and then maybe Palm. Can you speak to the multi-chain component of, of Dark Block? Absolutely. Yeah, so we think that different chains kind of offer di different value propositions when it comes to NFTs. You know, Ethereum is kind of the gold standard. Um, it It is very secure, but it's also very expensive. So um, it, it doesn't work for all types of NFTs. There, there will be a lot of activity on the long tail of NFTs. So, you know, in that respect, Solana is making a lot of uh, progress, especially with regards to gaming. Um, so we think Solana is very important uh, to support. And we have a couple partners um, that we have announced with, uh, with Solana as well. Uh, so we, we think Solana is very important uh, for the future. Tezos, there's a good amount of activity with Tezos. So uh, we have um, a marketplace that's, that's waiting for us to add support for Tezos. So that we can integrate with them. So you know, a lot of what we're doing is based off of uh, partner demand. Uh, who who wants to actually use uh, the dark block protocol? Uh, but you know, we want to eventually support every major NFT standard out there, or even minor ones. Uh, you know, if we have the the time and ability to do so. And you know, eventually, once we are fully decentralized and 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 fully open source, like love it for people to be able to add their, their own chains and uh, add support as well. And another area of the dark block community, if you will, is ambassadors. Um, are you actively looking for more ambassadors, maybe the listeners or artists they know? Uh, what's the state of the ambassador program and, and what are you interested in seeing going forward? Yes, we are definitely interested in talking with ambassadors. It's it's kind of a work in progress. The ambassador program, like the the way we started, was very kind of art centric, and it made a lot of sense to kind of bring on ambassadors uh, to showcase them through the TV app that we developed, because we were kind of pushing that end of things. What we have seen is that uh, there's a lot more interest in the dark block viewer to have a web viewing experience. Than the TV app, so we've kind of shifted focus a little bit, um, and we're trying to figure out right now exactly what form the ambassador program takes on. But we're engaging with ambassadors to get feedback on that to see how best we can help them, how best we can, you know, kind of offer value to them other than just you know using a dark block. But can we promote them in some way? Can we help them land partnerships, things like that? So it's very much a work in progress. But yes, we. We're interested in talking with creators, helping them figure out use cases. So we have a head of um, kind of uh, evangelism that is also kind of an in-house artist who is working on various NFT projects. And he, his job is to basically engage with other creators and ambassadors to kind of figure out different use cases for Dark Block and then even help implement them in some cases. Um, but yeah, it's it's very much a work in progress. Um, but we're we're very interested in talking with all creators to figure out new use cases for Dark Block and promote those use cases. Now mentioned the multi-chain kind of world and the emphasis there with Dark Block and uh, and various chains. The question I have is, 
in a lot of the tutorials and, and things, it's it's MetaMask, which obviously Ethereum very very much so utilized. Um, I'm I'm curious if you're looking to integrate with like R Connect or another wallet within the Rweave ecosystem and support Rweave Atomic NFTs. Uh, and what, what your view is on that? Yeah, my view on our weave NFTs is honestly, it's a bit nascent. Uh, so it's, it's still something that's developing. Uh, we will support it. Uh, I, I just don't know of the, the priority right now. So we're also talking with, uh, another, um, uh, NFT marketplace on, uh, on our weave and I'll, I'll leave the name out, but I'm sure you can guess it. It's a music based, uh, NFT marketplace. Um, they have their own standard that is not the atomic standard. So, uh, we will probably support their standard before we support atomic NFT standard. And the, the kind of the funny thing is I was actually involved in the early days of helping to figure out that atomic NFT standard. So during the uh, uh, Open Web Foundry, I was talking with uh, uh, Tate Merenbaum uh, uh, quite a bit about about that. Um, so, but that said, it's just the, the amount of activity we've seen hasn't allowed us to justify it, uh, prioritizing it for us at this point. Fair enough. I mean, I will say I, I have seen bits and pieces of activity and to your point, it is early. Uh, I just from my own personal lens, I see a, a big opportunity going forward for atomic, atomic NFTs for many reasons. And I also note that it is early and that also is highly intriguing uh, just from my own own perspective again, because I think that, you know, these 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 URI pointing Pointers and things like that are um, uh, increasingly problematic for many individuals. I think they can be utilized in a great way, especially when they're pointed towards a, a permaweb link for the storage of those NFTs. It will be cool to see atomic NFTs or some similar standard be more adopted. Um, I know there's a few platforms out there that have released some things with even the ability to pay to you know participate in auctions with R. Um, are, are you thinking that if that or if and when that kicks off, uh, you'll support the ability to, I don't know, incorporate R as actual uh, a layer to unlocking things or uh, I'm not quite sure exactly what that looks like. I'm just curious your thoughts. Yeah, so uh, I mean, to be perfectly frank, R Weave still has an end user uh, experience problem. Uh, it's still hard to get your hands on R. It's still kind of relatively hard to use it. Uh, for an end user, we think Rweave is amazing uh, as a platform uh, for developers, but it, it's still hard. I mean, Web3 is hard in general for end users, but Rweave is even harder. So um, we think that in order for there to be a lot of end user activity on Rweave, there needs to be some strides uh, in the user experience department. So. I'd say we're still a ways out um, and we'd have to analyze it when kind of things come down the pike and, and figure out how to prioritize it. Uh, if we see a lot of people moving to atomic NFTs, absolutely we'll support it. It's uh, it's it's natural fit. Uh, and we do believe that the atomic NFT standard makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, it's kind of obvious as a developer why it makes sense. It's all in one place. Um, it's all one singular transaction, which is awesome. But 
um, it, it, it's, it's, you know, we need to go where the action is right now to make sure that um, we're building things uh, for now, but also mindful for what's going on later. Yeah. And this, you know, this is a message to the listeners. Now is the time to build and create those great UI, UX, you know, components to the ecosystem, because I do agree, Chris, that there's a lot of room for improvement on that end. And that can help the entire permaweb in such a big way. And, and it is a, an area of emphasis for myself uh, as I collaborate with with protocols and projects that are building on top of the permaweb. Um, now, one of the things that you all are also developing is an API. Now, this along the lines of what we just spoke about as far as usability and, and ease and stuff like that, it sounds like, you know, the intention, like a lot of APIs, is to make it a little easier, a little simpler to, to integrate DarkBlock. Can you share a little bit about what you're working on, where it's at, and where you'd like to see it uh, go with the DarkBlock API? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's really just about, as you said, making things easier so the, the API is not going to be for everybody. You know, uh, people will want to interact with the protocol in a permissionless way, construct the dark block themselves, put, push it directly into our weave. But then there are a whole lot of partners out there that just want one simple API call to do all this for them because it is it is pretty complicated. So, um, you know, when it comes to marketplace integration, it's just that one API call to create the dark block they embed the ID that, that is returned uh, into the NFT itself. Uh, and then they put the widget, the, the dark block viewer, like into their web page. And all they have to do is pass it like the NFT contract and token or just the Solana token in the case of Solana into the viewer and they're done. So this, this integration could take them a day. And there, there will be some other things to work out, um, you know, testing and things like that. But theoretically, it can happen in a matter of hours being able to integrate uh, with DarkBlock. Whereas a lot of other Web3 protocols, they people just kind of make something and then expect everybody else to kind of grok it and understand it fully before they can do the first thing with it. So um, it's, it's something that we're trying to help kind of space grow up more quickly in that trying to be more customer oriented than just trying to build some stuff and then throw it over a fence. Yeah, it'll be really cool to see this API becoming more integrated with platforms and, and so on um, to open up a whole new layer of what NFTs are than in the experience of NFTs. A question that I have is, you know, a lot of uh, what I've read about dark block is about, you know, bringing in the wallet. And then if you are either the creator, you have certain uh, layers uh, that you can manage, or if you're uh, an owner of one of these NFTs, you can unlock, right? These unlockables. Um, I, I'm, I'm wondering if there is a place for dark block in almost like, exploring about the artist like let's say there's a series of 10 questions and someone has to go out and explore and answer these 10 questions and the first 10 that answer these 10 questions get the unlockable content um are there are there things like that where it's experience oriented and maybe not just like you know you have this wallet you purchased it um is that a possibility for for dark block going forward yeah, so I, we think that there's a lot of opportunity to kind of gamify NFTs through dark block, and we've explored some kind of ideas. We did a lot of brainstorming in the beginning about that. Um, you know, like a scavenger hunt makes a lot of sense for dark blocks. 
um, being able to reveal clues inside an NFT if you are like the owner or maybe in the future if you kind of pay per view access uh, uh, to that, that dark block content. So I think that there is, yes, there's opportunity for that. We haven't seen much of that yet. Um, but you know, another thing that we were kind of throwing around is, you know, one of the things we haven't talked about yet, I don't think is the ability to stack multiple dark blocks on a, on a single NFT, something we call content stacking. Now, this is something that we could also do where you kind of upgrade what that NFT can actually do. So, you know, we've had some concepts where, you know, maybe we wrap up um, an, an avatar for a metaverse in a dark block, which we think is going to be a big part of our future, being able to protect the assets that are going into these metaverses, um, especially avatars. Um, like maybe having board apes upgrade uh, your your PFP to include this this 3D avatar that can go into various metaverses could be something that they sell to the the people that own those or you know just be, it could be a free upgrade. But in addition to that, there could be additional kind of features uh, for that avatar. Like maybe there's an algorithm that describes a dance or like some fight moves or something like that that could be wrapped up in a dark block as well. Uh, and then kind of portable uh, with the NFT. So um, I think there's a lot of opportunity for kind of gamified concepts there, um, but uh, we haven't seen much activity yet. Yeah, definitely a, a wild realm of thoughts. And it's fun to think about and play with some concepts on that end, uh, you know, whether it's location-based and there's unlocks, you know, from, from location or a combination of online exploration and physical world exploration. Uh, it sounds uh, pretty pretty interesting. And, you know, I'm riffing, if there's a race, right, an actual running race, and if you get under a seven-minute mile, you unlock you know, a particular NFT. And if you get under a 10 minute mile, you unlock it to, you know, a different NFT. And um, there's just so many cool ways, I think, that this technology can be uh, utilized. Um, one area that we didn't talk about that I do want to touch on before we wrap up is the notion of pay-per-view and renting NFTs. Now, I've, I've seen here and there uh, some different platforms out there uh, where someone can like rent an NFT. How do you look at that? How do you see dark block playing into into that area yeah so this is something that that uh, requires us to kind of analyze what's going on and we, we need to figure a few things out here because there are two different ways you could potentially rent um, a dark block you could rent the nft itself and like transfer ownership or you could rent access to the content that's in the dark block so both of these have merits in different scenarios so for example um, if I have an NFT that has a 3D asset that I want to play in a game, maybe it makes sense to actually rent out the NFT itself and then only one person can, can use that asset in the game at a time. On the other side of that, you could have music where maybe I want to pay to listen to some music once. Um, that does not make sense to actually transfer ownership of the NFT or rent the actual NFT. It makes sense to just go right for the content itself. So uh, I think both of these concepts will have their place and we need to figure out exactly how we execute on each of them. We, we've been talking to a potential partner called uh, Cardinal 
who is in the Solana space that actually does um, uh, rental of, of Solana-based NFTs. And I think it would work out of the box. We still have yet to actually test this, but I think it would work out of the box that um, you can rent a Solana NFT and then automatically you can have access to the dark block. Therefore, um, you know, it's, it's a nice fit. But when it comes to that, you know, that music situation where really you actually want to enable a lot of people to access it at the same time, potentially, it makes more sense to go for the, the content uh, than for the NFT itself. So a lot of opportunity and a lot of places to think and do and build with dark block and that leads to the the final point here uh, or question rather is um, you're hiring correct we are indeed hiring yes uh, looking for full stack uh, looking for a protocol engineer um, trying to find actually a CTO as well so you know I'm, I'm kind of the 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 CTO right now that's been my traditional role at, at previous companies. Um, but I, I need to focus more on the business side now and looking for somebody to take over the reins there. Um, but just just hired a, a VP of engineering that's going to focus on decentralization, which is great. Um, but yeah, looking for full stack, looking for somebody to work on the protocol, looking for CTO uh, and probably soon looking for a whole lot more. We'll probably go out and start raising money again in about two or three months. So probably looking for a lot of people at that point. Great. So for uh, for those of you listening, um, definitely check out darkblock.io and uh, also darkblock.io on Twitter. And uh, be sure and uh, say hi at chat.darkblock.io. And they are actively hiring, as Chris just mentioned. A super interesting project with, as you can tell, a lot of potential use cases for artists and creators to not only have more control, um, also have more opportunities to you know generate business and revenue and, and new pathways for empowering uh, artists uh, of, of all areas um, Chris thank you so much for being on the Permoid Pioneers great to have you here thank you very much appreciate it Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Permaweb Pioneers, a podcast focused on growing awareness of Arweave and the Permaweb. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Otherwise, share this episode with friends and family and whoever else you think may find it useful and interesting. Thank you for being a part of our community of pioneering long-term thinkers securing the present and future of data. <laughs>